Good, it's good. Okay, we're going to go straight into a passage of Scripture this morning because um, I've got 20 minutes, so that's great. Um, and it's John chapter 4, and I'm reading out of the Passion Translation, actually. So the guys are going to put it up on the screen. And so your theme this morning as a church is actually no greater love. You're coming around the idea of Jesus, and he bridges the gap for us. And there's no greater story, of course, than this of the encounter of Jesus and the woman at the well. So we're going to take it from verse 1, and it says, Soon the news reached the Jewish religious leaders known as the Pharisees that Jesus was drawing greater crowds of followers coming to be baptized than John. Although Jesus didn't baptize, but had his disciples baptized because uh, baptized the people, Jesus heard what was being said and he abruptly left Judea and returned to the province of Galilee. And he passed through a Samaritan territory. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sakaar. The name Sakaar actually means the end. Silver water means a water that reflects the light. But Jesus came to a village that meant the end. So imagine if you lived there. Um, near the field of Jacob had given his son Joseph long ago. Wearied by his long journey, Jesus sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food for it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. She said, Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and the well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob who dug this well and drank from it himself? along with his children and livestock. I like this girl. She had a bit of tood. She had a bit of sass. Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks the living water that I give him, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit springing up and flooding you with endless life. The woman replied, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back to, to, to this well to draw water. Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That is true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who isn't even your husband. You've told the truth. The woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me this, why do our fathers worship God here on this nearby mountain, but your people teach us? that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship. What, which one is right? Jesus responded, Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the Father on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, but in your heart. The people don't really, you, your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience, for it is the Jews that salvation is made available. It goes on later to say, The woman said back to him, this is all so confusing. She was confused by what Jesus was saying. But I don't know, what, you know, she, she didn't understand what he was saying, but she said that the anointed one would, was, would be coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything that we need to know. And Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is speaking to you. I am the one you have been waiting for. I'm the one you have been waiting for. Jesus went all the way to the end, to her town called The End, and he sat on the edge of a well to tell a woman at the hottest part of the day that he'd been waiting for her, that she 
that he was the one that she had been waiting for. I want to pray over you this morning. Father God, we thank you for Jesus. Father, I thank you that he is the name above every other name. Father, I thank you today, Lord God, that you would reveal him to us in a greater measure. Lord, and I thank you, Lord, that it is not by might, it is not by power, it is not by eloquent preaching or anything that I can do, but it is only by your spirit today, God, that you are going to do what you want to do. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, come, fill us, change us, move us and send us out better people in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have you ever found yourself on the edge? That might seem like a little bit of a, you know, general question, a bit metaphorical, but I found myself on the edge before. I'll give you an example. Renovating brings me to my edge, okay? Um, Has anybody ever renovated before, like really renovated? Okay, so my husband and I, we just moved back from living in Seattle and we bought this fixer-upper. Has anybody seen the show Fixer-upper? Is it, yeah, it's massive over in the States. Uh, and so we bought this fixer-upper, and I've, I've discovered that renovating brings me to my edge. It bring, brings me to the edge of my emotions. It brings me to the edge of my uh, physical strength. It brings me to the, mo- the edge of my motivation. It brings me possibly to the edge of my sanity. Um, renovating definitely brings me to my edge. I, um, the first two weeks, I, I got um, bitten by a spider. Uh, <laughs> I got a nail through my foot. Uh, and then I got the shingles. So that was like a great, a great sort of three things that sort of happened. And, um, but mostly the reason that renovating brings me to my edge is actually because my husband, who's sitting in the front row, um, has a work ethic that will make most people cry. Definitely me. Um, <laughs> uh, he, he probably hates that I'm using him as the example this morning, and he doesn't know that I am. But he knew that... Um, that was the cross that he must bear when he married a preacher. One day we'll have lots of children. He'll have to teach them how to bear the same cross because I can't wait to have lots of people in my house to use as preaching examples. Uh, but he basically uh, has this work ethic that's crazy. When we first started dating, my dad nicknamed him MacGyver um, because basically he has a whole bunch of life skills um, and he will make you feel like you don't have any. I was telling that in the green room. I feel like I don't have life skills um, around him. Not that he, he does it intentionally. It's just he's so capable and he's so able. He's one of these super annoying people that like grew, he was born, I think, out of the womb, motivated, energetic, able to do anything he put his hands to, um, super intelligent. And so, you know, I went into this fixer-upper and I wanted to be Joanna Gaines, okay? I wanted to be making styling decisions. I didn't want to be Chip, nope. And um, I didn't want to be holding ceiling sheets above my head. I'm not June. I don't do CrossFit. Where are you, June? (laughs) I wish I started doing CrossFit beforehand because I'm just like, this is not my calling. Um, I need the spiritual gift of being MacGyver. Um, We sort of say that it's a bit of a spiritual gift because he's just, he walks, he gets into a supernatural lane, I think, when he's he's doing that. But, you know, renovating definitely brings me to my edge. Uh, I don't know what brings you to your edge, but I think many things in our life can, not just renovating. Uh, the kids get sick. We get a, do- a do- doctor's diagnosis that we're not really expecting. Uh, the bills need to be paid and we don't have a job. We've lost our job. I don't know what it is, but life has a way of sort of bringing us to our edge. The edges of life, whatever they are, are not the destinations that we would choose for ourselves. We don't choose to be stretched. We don't choose to be 
in an awkward situation. We don't choose to be in a place where we don't want to be. I gave out my book this morning and um, for many of you who have heard my story, you would know that my husband and I, uh, we've we've struggled for nine years to, to have a baby, to conceive. And it's a journey that we've been on. And I can tell you for sure that there have been moments along that journey that I have been brought to my edge. Three years, years ago, I got really chronically ill and I would wake up almost every night and feel like I was dying. Like it was serious and I and I've had to go to doctors and they, they can't work out what's happening with my body, but I have felt physically as though I have been pushed to my edge. I've had cancer scares. I've had things that have brought me to my edge. I've had death threats from crazy people who don't like preachers. I've, I've had so many things that have brought me to my edge in the last few years. Just at the end of last year, my husband and I amazingly received our miracle. We, we conceived. Um, praise God for that. But yeah, come on. It was an absolute miracle. But it wasn't long before complications started happening. And I wasn't fully well in my physical body. But the pregnancy made me really, really unwell. And it wasn't long until we realized that this pregnancy was actually life-threatening, not just to the baby, but to me. And we were pushed and pushed by doctors to terminate the pregnancy. And we refused and refused and refused. But it got to the point where actually my life was in danger and I had to go into emergency surgery. And a surgeon cut open my stomach and they removed our baby that we'd waited nine years to conceive. And that was a hard day. That was a day I found myself on the edge. But there is something that I have learned about the edges of life that you can't learn out anywhere else. And that's this. Jesus always meets us at our edge. Jesus always meets us in the place that is the hottest and the hardest and the most difficult place. And that is the miracle. That is the miracle that Jesus meets us at our edge. That's what was happening in this story. That's what was happening with this woman. We don't know this woman's story exactly, but we know that she found herself at the edge of Jacob's well in the heat of the day. This woman was doing what she had always been doing. Can I have my bucket? You want to throw it up here? This bucket, mind you, is complimentary of the Meriton Apartment Suites this morning. Um, <laughs> so thank you. I was like, God, I need a bucket. And then Jonathan, my husband, walked into the laundry and there was one. So I was like, great. I will take it back. I will take it back. But this woman, you know, she was doing what she had always done. She, she was going to the water well and she was collecting water. That's what you did in those days. You couldn't just pull a Mount Franklin out of the fridge or you couldn't turn on the tap. You had to go to the water well. So this woman at the heat of the day was going to this water well and she was doing what she always did. And, you know, people have built this theology around this woman that she was an outcast. Um, but I'm going to give a sister a break today. I'm not going to call her an outcast because I feel like there are at least 15 good reasons why she was collecting water at noon hour. Um, she could have slept in. Um, uh, I like to sleep in sometimes. I'm, not, I'm a night owl. I'm not the most morning person. Maybe she slept in. Uh, maybe her bucket broke the day before and she had to go buy a new bucket. And maybe the bucket person that, opened, that owned the bucket shop was collecting their water in the morning. Uh, maybe there was wild dogs in the morning at the well and she was afraid of dogs. And so she didn't go in the morning. 
Uh, maybe even she was an entrepreneur and she collected water all day. She was up there and she was collecting water at all hours of the day and she was selling it to people who couldn't be bothered going to the well. Maybe that was why she was there at the noon hour. But this woman, she was there and she, she met Jesus and she encountered Jesus. And we can make plenty of assumptions why she was at the water well at the noon hour of the day. But there's only one true answer why she was there and that was she was thirsty. She was thirsty. She was thirsty not just for water, but for something more. And every time she went to the water well, she wasn't filled. She still had to go back again and again and again and again. But on this particular day, she met Jesus. She met a man that she'd never met before. She actually met the Savior of the world in flesh. And he asked her a question. Could you go get me a drink? And she replied, Firstly, you shouldn't be talking to me because I'm a woman and I'm a Samaritan. And also, you know, I would, uh, you know, he didn't really have a bucket, so how would he actually get her water? So we see that Jesus actually goes into a place where he begins to powerfully connect something. He begins to powerfully connect seeing and asking. And I'm just going to read the passage of Scripture here in the middle of John 4. I'm just going to find it here. And it says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Jesus replied, if only you knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd have asked me for a drink and I would have given you living water. Jesus didn't ask this woman for a drink himself because he was thirsty. He asked her for a drink because she was thirsty. I'm going to talk about this tonight. I'm going to talk about how Jesus actually operated at the highest level of prophecy. He had a word of knowledge and he actually began to ask this woman pointed questions in relation to her need, not his need, her need. Now, Jesus could have been thirsty. He traveled a long way. But he opened up the conversation because he wanted to give her something. He said, if you had have known the gift of God, you would have asked me for a drink. The Greek word here for known is actually, I do, I do. And it means to see. So Jesus was saying, if you had have seen who I am, you would have asked me and I would have given you a drink. Jesus was powerfully connecting, seeing and asking. He was powerfully connecting that what we see, we innately ask for. I wonder today how you see God. I can tell you that the last thing that you asked him for probably gives us a great indication. You see, because this woman, she was at the water well and she had plenty of needs. But Jesus didn't coach her to ask him to fill all of her needs. He didn't say, ask me and I'll make that drop kick of a boyfriend propose to you. He didn't say, ask me for a well and so you don't have to walk all the way to get to this well. I'll give you one right, you know, a luxury one right at your home. He didn't say, you know, ask me for your needs to be met. Ask me for your broken heart to be fixed. He wanted to expand her eyes. He wanted to expand her, her heart. He wanted to expand our heart to ask a different ask, to ask a heavenly ask, to ask an eternal ask, to ask not just for her temporary situation to be fixed. He wanted to give her the solution to all of life's problems himself. He wanted to say, come here to me. I want to give you myself. I want to give you all of me. 
And if you had have seen who I was, if you had have seen that I was the God of heaven and earth, you would have asked me for a drink and I would have satisfied you completely. What was the last thing you asked God for? Because often we have this way of praying like popcorn prayers to God in the heat of the moment. God, help me, fix me, heal me. God, move. We forget to pray half the other time, but when the heat comes, when it's the heat of the day, when problems start coming in our life, we start throwing these prayers to God. And God wants to give us something more than just the solution and the miracle to our situation right now. He wants to empower us with the grace of His presence. He wants to empower us with who He is. There is so much in this story that we can look into But the main point that I want to throw at us today, and I feel like heaven is resounding to us today, is that the miracle is God with us. The miracle is God with us in our heart, in our life, in our situation. It doesn't matter where you find yourself today. I don't know what edge you find yourself on today. I don't know your situation. I don't know your trial. I don't know your circumstance. I don't know that prayer that you've been praying over and over and over again. But God does. Jesus does. And he's sitting at the edge of your life and he's waiting for you. What I love about this story is that Jesus got to the well before the woman did. Jesus sat on the edge of the well in the place of need, in the place that she drew she drew, tried to draw fulfillment from and satisfaction from. He, she kept coming to this place. And on this particular day, she discovered more than what she realized. She discovered the God of heaven and earth. She discovered the Savior. She discovered every need that would be fulfilled, every desire that would be fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. And today I want to ask that God would enlarge us. God would stretch us to see him with new eyes. How do you see God today? What box have you put God into? Because God can't fit into a box. He can't fit into our mindset. He's infinitely above anything we can ask, dream or imagine. But in him are all of the solutions, are all of the answers that we long for. Jesus said, if you truly saw me, You would have asked me and I would have given you living water. He wanted to give this woman a forever solution, not a temporary solution. I'm going to ask the band to come on up just with the last five minutes that I've got here. God wants us to ask a better question. I'm going to ask the guys to put on the screen just the the photo that I have of the ultrasound room. On the day that... um, before I was going into surgery, I had to go into an ultrasound room and it was, it was like that we had so many different ultrasounds happening at that time. And on this particular day, I went into the room and it was going to be the darkest day. It was going to be the darkest hour. It was going to be the, the hottest hour of the day for me in particular on my edge that day. And when I went into that ultrasound room, the ceiling was full of stars And we had had so many ultrasounds throughout that pregnancy and not one of them had stars. (laughs) But I went into this ultrasound room on this particular night. And if you've read my book, you would know how much stars mean to me. 
And in that moment, God showed me that he was with me. God met me at my edge before I got there. God got there before I could get there. And sometimes we pray for, for God to fill and to, to bring our miracle about. We say, God, would you, would you turn up for me? When there's confusion, when there's questions, when we're questioning who God is and if He's really for us and not against us. What I have discovered is that Jesus always gets to the edge before us. He always gets to the place of disappointment before us. He waits for us in our future with everything that we need. And He says, come to me. I want to give you myself. And I don't know if you've experienced God as everything you need, but I know today that He wants to be that for you. He wants to fill every hole. He wants to heal every part of your brokenness. And I'm not saying that you won't get your miracle. You will. I'm not saying that God won't heal you. He will. But there's a gap between the pain and the promise. There is a gap between what's happening now and the miracle. And God wants to empower us with Himself in the gap. Because Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. This woman went back to her home and her circumstance had not changed. This woman would go back to her community and it would be the same old community. She would go back to the guy that was she was living with and he would be that same guy that couldn't commit. But she encountered Jesus and she changed. And because she changed, everything changed. And she went back to her community and it says that her community ran to Jesus because he said, because she said to them, come, come and see a man who told me everything I'd ever did. And the thing that astounds me with this is that Jesus told her everything that she had ever did, but she didn't feel condemned. She felt seen and she felt known and she felt, she felt like God knew her. And today God knows you. He doesn't abandon us at the hottest hour of the day. He doesn't abandon us in the, in the time that we need Him the most. God didn't abandon me because we lost our baby that day. The promise still stands. God is still true to His Word. God is good to His Word. And today, I don't know what your brokenness is, but I know that God can bring Himself and He can fill that brokenness with His Spirit. And God wants to empower you today with the grace to live, the grace to live by His Spirit. So why don't you stand today? I wanna pray for you. Why don't we open up our hearts to God? I want you to just surrender your hearts to God. Let's just make room for Him this morning. Oh, Father God, we make room for you. Jesus, we make room for you today. Lord, each one of us here today, we find ourselves, we might find ourselves on many edges. And I pray today, Jesus, would you reveal yourself to us as the God who sees us, the God who knows us, the God who comes to our edge before we get there. Would you reveal yourself to us, Lord? Would you give us yourself today, Jesus? We open up our hearts to you. In Jesus' name.